Today I'm joined by Lillianne O'Hara. Lillianne is the Women in Sport Officer for Athletics Ireland. Today she talks about paving the way for women in sport, the importance of knowing your athletes, and also the importance of fun and enjoyment in our sessions for athletes of all levels. Lillianne's enthusiasm shines throughout this interview. I took away so many little nuggets and I hope you can too. Enjoy. Okay, so this week, delighted to welcome Liliana O'Hara to the show. So Liliana is uh, an elite hurdler, a uh, former regional development officer with Athletics Ireland, and now the women in sport officer for Athletics Ireland. So Liliana, you're very welcome to the show. It's great to have you. Um, women in sport officer for Athletics Ireland, maybe we'll start there and you could explain what your role is all about. Yeah, so I'm very, very lucky. Like you said, I was working at as a development officer with Athletics Ireland. Um, so once I graduated from DCU, I somehow managed to stumble upon um, an ad advertising the role, which I thought was brilliant. Um, I was very fortunate then to be working as a development officer for about two and a half years. And I was involved in the application process for the women in sport program so obviously we got funding from sport ireland uh which has been you know a huge bonus um not just for, they basically sport ireland have um four objectives of coaching officiating leadership and governance visibility and um active participation so my role is basically revolved around the planning and implementation of running various programs to, for those uh, niche areas so so far so good I absolutely love it and I can't complain and it's it's really taken off now which is brilliant okay so th- these are specifically aimed at getting more girls involved in athletics are they aimed at getting more coaches involved or maybe you can talk us through a couple of the initiatives yeah, so, um from our perspective, uh, we have designed a number of programs to target those key areas. So, for example, um, in relation to, say, leadership and governance, uh, we're running a female leadership program called Forerunners. Um, and it's devised um, similar, actually, to the Ladies Gaelic Football Association, their program um, of, of they have a mentoring program. Ours is pretty much similar, but we are doing it in, there's a coaching element, there's a club development element, and there's also a communication and connectivity element. So we have 27 uh, women involved in the program, all ages, all backgrounds, all different abilities. So, you know, not everyone is a, is a coach and that's absolutely no problem. Uh, a lot of them are administrators in the sport who have done some phenomenal work. Um, so it's better, it's about putting all those women together to seeing how we can kind of develop them both personally and professionally um, to hopefully benefit athletics in some shape or form and equip them with the skills that they need to develop the sport. Um, so that, that has been brilliant. Um, also it's going to it's going to increase kind of their self-esteem their confidence their engagement with our some of our programs and obviously can we create like a community of practice for all the women in board and so far it's been really really like enjoyable we before COVID-19 we had our first session of it and like the energy in the room was absolutely fantastic there was so much engagement and like people were like really buzzed about it and we were like buzzing and getting excited for the second day unfortunately obviously with everything that's happened We've had to, we've had to cancel it or postpone it, but what I actually was afraid of what would happen while this time that people might lose the energy and lose the engagement, but it actually has worked out in our favour, and the women have a little bit more time even to do additional um, kind of off uh, course material, I suppose you could say. Um, so we've been kind of holding 
Zoom webinars um, just to keep in touch with each other and kind of further our learning and development. So even we had a workshop yesterday on emotional intelligence, uh, which I actually delivered, which like we had again, I think about 12 participants on it. We, like not everyone can get on, obviously, because of family and work commitments from home. But it's always recorded and people and the presentations are always there so people can actually go back and look onto it. So that that's been really enjoyable. Um, we've also in terms of active participation, um, we have a number of programs. We've actually combined with the Ladies Gaelic Football Association to run a program called Fifth for Mothers and Others. And um, those in the GA sense would know it as GA for, GA for Mothers and Others. Um, but I suppose we've had a great history and relationship before with the ladies or with, with the Gaelic Football Association. So why not combine forces again? Because um, it's just about getting women socially back together enjoying a bit of physical activity but in a safe controlled environment where they can learn and, and come together um because they're all going through very similar situations so it's nice to kind of again build a community uh sense amongst all the women and then we are also running another active participation uh, program called the girl squad so that's actually aimed at transition year girls in school and that program is basically just to give an appreciation of athletics. Um, it's very similar to the, the Leaving Cert, uh, the Leaving Cert uh, P um, subject in school in a sense that there is like a physical element, but there's also like an education element. So it's just about making people aware that, you know, you don't have to be a competitive athlete, but like the sport can give you a lot more of just basic foundations of, you know, athletics can be like, translator transferred those skills into any other sport but into just you know your daily life you know how to keep calm how to cope with stress you know all those kind of situations and just putting in kind of healthy practices but all again working together um so that's that, that literally again that program was meant to be rolled out come february or sorry come march and then unfortunately with everything that's happened it's had to be kind of stalled so hopefully we we have a number of schools already involved so we hopefully we'll be really at them come september wow um, uh, well yeah <laughs> Lillian, if, it, if it happens it sounds like you're kept busy anyway um so you've touched on about 10 different things that i'd like to come back to at some stage um i just very quickly uh maybe to finish off on this this piece you talk about governance um can you explain to me what do, are you trying is it trying to get more women involved in the running of clubs in the running of the organizations the ngbs etc is that is that the goal is that the aspiration and then and if if so how how far behind are where you'd like to be if that makes sense so actually yeah so we are trying to increase our numbers just like i suppose everyone else um in terms of um their engagement with whether it's on a club level like on a committee board um whether it's on a county board or a provincial or national board um and like we have some of the women are on the forerunners program actually like the first chairperson or first uh, treasurer for example female treasurer and a lot of these women would have came from clubs who were you know dominated kind of more by like males um they wouldn't have really had many opportunities to develop or further their own experience and knowledge before whereas now they are getting the opportunity to do so and it's just kind of giving them the confidence and I suppose courage as well that you know there is pathways in athletics and there is opportunities it's just making them aware of that and um, and hopefully equipping with the skills to go and try it for themselves um so yeah it's we're not too bad I suppose in a sense 
like our board we have plenty of women on our on our national board we've some really fantastic leaders um doing so much and it's, it's not that just because they're women you know they're just damn good people um and very good at what they're doing and constantly trying to further themselves with their own development so they've earned their right to be on those boards in, in fairness so you know we're very very lucky to have them so again that's what we're kind of trying to do with our governance programs is just kind of boost people that they can do it and you can see it now even i suppose you know with leadership um it's about managing obviously yourself but managing others around you and obviously with COVID-19 now there's a lot of kind of panic I suppose unrest uneasiness people don't really know what to do with themselves and I can actually clearly see that the women involved in our program have, have been having a tremendous impact on their local communities and clubs with what they're offering now at the moment so again like that's that's quite encouraging and uplifting I suppose to be watching yeah no it's brilliant and I really like the point that you make in terms of that uh, it's not just because they're women it's because they're the best person for the job as in they've they, they've deserve it or they've earned it or they have the necessary skills to do it and i think that's an important distinction um that it's not just for the sake of it you know and uh, and i really like the idea that you're uh providing those role models or those pathways that people can aspire to so that's in terms of the governance side in terms of the coaching side um do you find it's similar and on the coaching side are, are there challenges and barriers for females getting involved in coaching yeah i suppose we a lot of our kind of like development level co uh, coaching courses you know our first few coaching courses they are dominated by the women and obviously as we progress we have like in our level two level three for example there would be a significantly less amount of women um I suppose a like there's, there's various reasons for the dropout like but I suppose number one is family and commitments um a lot of these women are running you know so much in their own club never mind in their own families so th all of a sudden like a level two course for example is three weekends a Saturday and a Sunday so six days that they're giving up um but also giving up that for um you know they'll also have competitions at different weekends so all of a sudden they might not have any weekends left and it is hard but even just kind of encouraging them that's what the forerunners program as well has a coaching element to, for them to understand to equip them with the bits and pieces that might inspire them to co go on and continue and we're what we're actually trying to do at the moment is like kind of um showcase our grassroots level coaches that have all these qualifications so you know the women that they're just really doing so much work on the ground like in their communities and they have high level coaching courses done as well, but they're not necessarily the women that you will always see, um, you know, at the high performance championships and stuff like that. We've no problem with that, but it's just giving them the opportunity to do so and like making them as clear as possible that they can go on and do all these coaching courses. Um, so we are, we are, I suppose, getting a few more. I suppose I'm hope I'm hoping to even see um as our level two course or our next level two or three course that there, there definitely will be more women like you but I suppose actually from an Irish perspective the number of women we have at our high level coaching courses is actually much higher than those around us so two percent of elite athletes in the in the world are coached by women okay. like and that's like you know your, your Olympics your your world champs um you know all those kind of high level international level athletes but if you look at our latest, so we, we had a level three that was upcoming um, 
And if you looked at that, I think we had about our figures were about six percent, eight percent of women. Like they're, they're still not figures that you'd be screaming from the rooftops. But I think even from the programs that we're running now, it will encourage more for the next batch. So I'd love to see what's going to happen in 2021, for example. Yeah, it's brilliant. So do you, you think one, we're probably ahead of the game a little bit in Ireland. And do you think that we have turned a corner that, 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 that the, those barriers are being reduced all the time? I think they are I suppose the, the, the people are kind of you know it's it's all about confidence I think really and when women get a bit more confidence they'll, they'll be more likely to take on and undertake more tasks uh, but it's just juggling that is what they find difficult but we are improving um, and I suppose if we just keep kind of you know raising uh, awareness and increasing the visibility of some of the work that is being done and like the opportunities that do exist for people not just for women but for everyone and um, then people will take on like I know that we're actually as as an organization at Lady Garden are hosting a number of webinars and the feedback from them have been tremendous and I even think that the, this is additional work that we would normally have gotten done so it's it's actually and a lot of the women there's a lot of women actually tuning in and even I'm noticing again the same faces from the forerunners program are all tuning in so you know the interest there um, and commitment to learn is definitely there so hopefully we can just kind of build on that going forward yeah no it, it sounds like a great and, and and as you say I think that once you show that that pathway is there and, and increase the confidence I think that it there's no end to how many people you can get involved and bring along with you um you talked about uh, that community of practice that you're setting up in terms of uh, how you're running the initiatives and stuff like that. Um, is that something that is replicated throughout the coaching structure within athletics or is that specific to what you guys are doing yourselves? Or maybe you could talk a little bit about that. Yeah, so we are more kind of at the higher level end of the coaching kind of spectrum. Um our national kind of coordinators in both the sprints and the endurance have kind of created brilliant communities of practice and offered um, fantastic mentoring programs. Um, so like this was kind of based on the work that Steve Macklin has done, um, Matt Lockett and, and Daniel Kilgallen. And to be honest, it has been, it's worked brilliantly. And um, the amount of people who've came together to share their knowledge, to build and share their skills and the network out of it has has really, really strengthened. Um, it's obviously built a, 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 a tremendous uh, amount of recognition as well for the programs. So I kind of felt that if, if people are kind of new to coaching and a bit kind of cautious or, you know, not as a, if they're not as confident to develop or they don't know how to take the next step, maybe having a bit of, of a mentor or guidance or kind of people around you to encourage you to take the next steps uh would inspire you to and, and to be honest it has the amount of um people coming together now like in the forerunners program sharing their ideas what works for them and especially now you can see its value and how important it is during a time like this because you know that you could be left in the loop you could be quite stranded um if you didn't have some someone to engage with and these are all like-minded individuals who are only willing to share and help each other and bring each other all along so it has been really really successful so far and i suppose um you know people really care about it thankfully yeah, okay so so in, in terms of a community of practice can you explain it practically how does that work for a group so let's for example let's say there is a group of coaches listening 
any sport at all, but maybe they, they are in the same club or the same county or whatever it may be, and they all would like to set up a community practice for themselves to help themselves get better or to share some ideas, etc. So could you give me an example of how that might work for them? Yeah, so obviously we have the Forerunners program, but it's like you don't need anything um, official. It can be unofficial. As we know, we don't most of our learning off-site kind of talking to others rather than actually learning it through a coaching course at times. Um, but you could build it up even just on like a, a WhatsApp group, which we have going. Or we have a Facebook group going as well where people kind of share relevant and obviously appropriate information that they think the group collectively could learn from. Um and it really kind of, it's like, it, it's really specific knowledge, maybe in some cases that people are looking for. It's all shared. Um, you know, some of it's like implicit knowledge that people wouldn't be aware of. Uh, but I suppose the most important thing is that there is a common theme there, our purpose, and they all want to be there. They all want to build together. They all want to learn more. And you know if they're looking for more help there's loads of people out there that are willing you just have to be you know i suppose uh, willing to ask and be willing to learn and be willing to network with other people to you know to increase your knowledge and expertise um but it has been brilliant and i suppose as long as there's trust there within the members and there's you know clarity in everything that they're doing there's no ambiguity you really will see the benefits um and there's you know just sharing and being as open and um authentic as possible you'll get the best out of out of everyone yeah, i like that the, the trust thing is really important and if you i really like the point that you make if you lay out those ground rules at the start that it can be a really beneficial process for everyone so you, you also talked about mentoring there at the elite level uh could you maybe talk us through an example of how that works and um, because i know you would have piqued a lot of people's interest there yeah, so I'll just take an example for Daniel Kilgallen, um, the National Sprints Coordinator. He's done um, a brilliant mentoring program where he's actually brought in um, like international experts from the IAAF. Um, so they brought in a guy called Ralph uh, Muchbahani, who's like a, a specialist in kind of sprinting, obviously, in the biomechanics of sprinting. And it's worked really well because um, obviously... Ralph is extremely knowledgeable and uh, willing to share as awful as it sounds sometimes when you are in such a small country people want to keep all the information to themselves and they mightn't be as inclined to link up together in certain situations whereas asking an outsider like Muchbahani actually kind of brings the level up um, and you know I suppose there's an openness there with him to share and and learn where they mightn't take sometimes in their own against their own kind of I suppose they think of them as competitors but they're not they're supposed we're all trying to achieve the same goal at the end of the day um but what Ralph has done he was doing some online webinars with people uh with coaches like one-to-one -one opportunities for them to ask the questions that they learn to show videos maybe for example but then he also offered um a day of like you could bring your athletes or one or two athletes to Ralph and like you know see visually what was going on with your athlete and he'd give feedback accordingly and you'd be able to share so I suppose just having direction um like an advice uh, and I suppose an additional training was was really beneficial um and again like you know we can never you can never learn enough um even if you go to coaching courses or you go to a, a coach to learn more and you're networking even if it's wrong or bad or poor in your opinion 
you still learn what not to do. And I think that's important too. You know, it's a lot of trial and error, but it either will kind of, I suppose, uh, kind of make you more assertive of what you, you what you do think is, is, is important or make you, you know, maybe rethink and question what you are doing. But it, it's, it's all beneficial because you do have to obviously have a tremendous amount of self-awareness when you are coaching. Yeah, and- so like on, on your own coaching, and I know you're not doing as much as you used to do in your previous role, um, but do you think your experience as an athlete would have influenced your own coaching style? Yeah, I suppose um, I had like really, really good people like along the way, like that looked after me. Um, I am coached and have been coached primarily by my dad, um, Lee Mora, for like obviously since I was a, a child. And he came from a PE background. So that really, really helped. He knew how to kind of guide me, hold me back, you know, set me forward at certain times when I was developing. Um, Phil Roach, when I was like a real juvenile within Dunedin Athletic Club was brilliant because I suppose what I saw was the amount of work and effort she put into the club to just keep us all there. It wasn't just to like, you know, make us Olympic champions or anything like that, but like just to get us to appreciate and enjoy the sport. And then even, I suppose, as I got older, I'd like really good um, kind of S&C coaches who kind of, I suppose, opened my eyes to like, you know, there's not just running, but, you know, all the accessory bits you need to do. And I had Fergal O'Callaghan, who's now the high performance director of um, the, the scholarship athletes in NUIG. And then I had Tommy Mooney, who's working in the sports uh, surgery clinic as an S&C. And like they really kind of shaped the way I think about things as well um and to be honest without them I'd be lost one I just saw the amount of effort and commitment they would put into me and I just I was in awe of that and like if someone was willing to do that for me I'd be making sure I could do that for someone else because you know the sport has obviously given me so much and it's just a matter of if if I could even do a quarter of what those people have done for me to for our sport I'll do it and um I suppose one thing I definitely learned from kind of developing was I, I kind of from kind of the youth to junior level I struggled big time I was quite a, a, a strong juvenile athlete but uh, in athletics like there's a there's a hard kind of youth junior transition phase where especially in my event with the hurdles distances get longer and you have to be a bit stronger and I wasn't equipped for that and I suppose now as I'm kind of coaching or kind of helping out athletes and bits and pieces, I suppose I'm trying to get them to see the whole sport and not just become fixated on the one thing they're doing right now that they think is really important. But, um, you know, it's just building the athlete overall holistically rather than just ready for a specific race. But does that come back to, let's say, you've all the coaches you mentioned, right from your dad uh, all the way through to your S&C coaches you talked about, you couldn't believe how much that they they would were doing for you so they obviously cared for you as as a person as well as the athlete so is that the sort of thing that you're trying to replicate in your in your own coaching or or in your own future coaching was that something you'll aspire to yeah I suppose I definitely want obviously everything to be centered around the athlete first and foremost but secondly just make them really appreciate the sport and what it can do for you because not just performance wise and obviously like obviously to enjoy your sport and everything like that's really important but it just teaches you so many like life skills that you only learn 
like when you kind of come away from the sport every now and then you see how much it has given you and I think that's what I really want young athletes to notice and appreciate because like it has so much value if you can just stick with it kind of a thing so I just think enjoyment of the sport and love for the sport must always come first before anything else can i push on that a little bit lillianne so so you talk about life skills uh development through sport so give me some examples like how does that relate to you outside your sport how does that relate to you in your career or your personal life um i suppose like you know you, you learn resilience quite quickly and you learn a tremendous amount about yourself as a person like you're just your own self-awareness your own self-regulation um what keeps you ticking you know uh decision making you know weighing up consequences to your behavior different things like that and it's only every now and then like i said I, i am very lucky i have friends within the sport and i have friends without the sport and often I wonder the friends that aren't in sport, how they even cross the road at times, because they're not able to make the decisions under pressure and like be able to think for themselves at times. And like that's what athletics really, really does for you. Um, it like just makes you aware of everything to do with just you. And I think that's really important, obviously, as you're developing and getting older and, you know, trying to process the world around you, but just being aware of who you are and what works for you and what doesn't is is, is really important yeah, no, it's, a, it's a really good answer um and it sort of segues into the next question i had for you so i'm fascinated by the dynamics within athletics in terms of it's an individual sport but you guys train as a team um and how does that work like surely it it, it, it can be incredibly competitive um but also then just like as a coach for example there's such specialization within the sport. I, I'm just fascinated by how that works within within a club, within a, at a national level. Yeah, I suppose, I suppose with athletics, we're very fortunate that we obviously all were very aware of that. What you do in athletics, what you put into it, you'll get out as such. Um, but you stand on the line at the end of the day, uh, by yourself you know like yes the team has got you there to that line but at the end of the day you have to do it for yourself but like you wouldn't have even gotten to that start line if you didn't have those training partners and your coach obviously surrounding you giving you the just daily motivation to keep going like we all obviously have strengths and weakness weaknesses just like a team sport would but at the end of the day we're all there for one reason and that's to get the most out of ourselves just like the same in a team environment um but we're just i suppose we're all there for the same purpose and you know we all know how to get each other through it on tough days and and on good days obviously but you know we're just surrounded by like-minded people and that and i think that's what makes it like really really enjoyable and because i know people think we're mad but we're just doing exactly the same thing as team sports people but i suppose another thing is like we as athletes and in athletics um we're quite gender blind to what we do um you know like from you from whenever you start you're all every little girl every little boy we all grow in together the only time we get separated is when we obviously have to race and there's no problem with that okay so Lillian again I'm curious on, on that individual and the team uh, how that works within within uh 
for, from a coach's point of view. So do people get special treatment? Do um do do some coaches have to do more work with others within that athletics team? Or for instance, you, you, the hurdle, the hurdles is maybe more technical than a sprint. So how how does that differ? And I'm really curious in the the, the, the dynamic and how that works within the team. Yeah, so it, it is quite challenging for coaches depending on the level of the group as well and obviously the, 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 the disciplines that their athletes are in. But I suppose, like everything with team sports and individual sports, the coach and athlete, like everything will be determined by your level of commitment and how much you're willing to work for it. So if you do a lot of work, the coach will help you. In the, it will match your effort, you know what I mean? So, like, yeah... We, we as individuals we no matter what happens we set the pace of the activity do you know what I mean so um if we want to be there you will be there if you don't want to be there you don't have to be there but like you know so that it is a benefit of, of being an individual athlete but to be honest we all want to be there because we're all trying to go for the same goals um so like some people say like oh but you don't have the like you know this the social benefits of playing on a team but we do we actually have more of it because we're all really focused on what we're trying to achieve together but also as individuals and if, at the end of the day the coaches are, are brilliantly equipped to manage that. And it's just, again, they show fantastic leadership because they know if they can manage themselves and those around them, they're way in a hack. And to be honest, it is hard, especially, you know, around more kind of the competitive parts of the season, kind of closer to summer, you know, you're, 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 you're looking for a hundredth of a second here and a hundredth of a second there, and you moved your foot a millimetre wrong, and that can be quite hard. But there'll be no issues as long as you kind of I suppose match each other's commitment uh, and effort and willingness to learn and evolve together and to be honest that would be my opinion with it yeah no and and, and it's it's a good insight into into how it works and again it's just something that that I, for me coming from a team-based sport in, in GAA and where all my coaching experience is it's a it's it, it's a really really fascinating uh, insight into how that sort of dynamic works Lillian, I want to just ask you, um, so it, it, with your women in sport officer role uh, and, and your previous experience and, and indeed your own uh, athletics experience, what if anyone's listening that is managing uh, or coaching um, girls uh, who potentially are coming into that period of time, uh, 12, 13, 14, into those teenage years where there's uh, traditionally a, a high degree of drop off, what would your main pieces of advice to those be? Like, what are the big differences they have to look out for that potentially maybe the, if they have experienced coaching boys be, uh, uh, previously? I suppose, I suppose knowing the athlete first and foremost, you know, not like knowing the athlete, but knowing them as an individual on a personal level, you know, what gets them excited, like what motivates them, you know, what encourages them to stay. Because often I know we do look at like why the reasons they drop out, but we, we often forget to look at all the reasons why the girls stay. And it comes down to, again, the still, the still the same reasons as if you would rock up to a team session, you know, to meet their friends, to be a part of something, to work towards a goal. Um, I it, it really does just need to be centred around it. But I suppose making the, the young girls aware of what's ahead of them because they can't go into it blind. It is going to be difficult and there's no doubt about that. But if you build a supportive like team and environment around them, they'll you know they'll, they'll really do brilliantly they'll stick with it but like even when I look back on it myself like my hardest years were definitely between 16 and 19 but 
you know, I've gotten so much more out of the sport than I ever thought I would. And I suppose that needs to be reinforced with girls is that, look, they mightn't get the high performance medals like that they're looking that, you know, that we all want, you know, but managing the expectations of the athlete and, you know, focusing on specific goals to those girls will will make it worth worthwhile for, for both the coach and the athlete. You know, if it's specific to them and it meets their goals and, you know, it's their their level, you know, there's no point being unrealistic about situations too. Yeah, no, I think that's really, really good advice. Um, Lillian, you've been great with your time. We asked three questions to everyone that comes on the show. So first yeah. one, uh, what does the term successful coach mean to you? Um, I think the term successful coach to me would mean, you know, people engaging with you, people... Um, kind of working with you rather than against you you know bringing on that person as an individual holistically not just like performance wise but you know in my opinion like I'd love to see the coaches and the athletes still being friends for years and years after um because they're, they're a huge support mechanism both for the athlete and the coach you know what I mean they wouldn't be doing it otherwise but success as a coach is just you know, being that friend, being that motivator, being that person who encourages you to get the best out of yourself. I think, you know, they're really inspirational if they, if they can do that. So I I think that's what that's what it would mean to me. Yeah, no, that's it's an absolutely brilliant answer. I really like the way that you don't focus on the the result and it's and it's about the the, the person and and uh, how that can support them as they go through. Um, is there a book or a podcast or any other resource that you'd really recommend to coaches out there? Um, I suppose books and resources. Um, I suppose just constantly to upskill. There's none, I suppose, specifically that I would say off the top of my head. Like if I go into an athletics terms, it would probably be a lot of stuff designed by Ralph, La- Ralph Mann biomechanics wise. But just for, you know, for their own development, learning from as many people as you can along the way, um, as many coaches at every level, um, you'll always learn something from someone. But there's no podcast or anything that I specifically tune into, unfortunately. Well, except for your own. I, I was just about to say. No, yeah. no, <laughs> um, no, I think that really ties in. Your, your answer ties in really well with what you said earlier on, and and the. Uh, the importance that you place in the community is a practice of learning from each other and, and helping each other along. So I think that that is a fantastic resource that we don't tap into enough, uh, certainly within yeah. Ireland. And you're not the first person to talk about it on this show, and I'm, I'm sure you won't be the last, but it's definitely something that we can improve on within the country. Um, last question for you, Lillian. Your top yeah. tips Your top tips for a developing coach? Um, learn as much as you can from the people around you. Don't be afraid to develop um, and keep keep trying to learn both online and, you know, do, do your research, go to your coach education courses, um, get more information from your national governing body. Everyone is actually there to support you and will be willing to give you the time and energy to help you develop it to the best of your ability. So just don't be afraid to reach out and broaden your horizons and learn from as much as your own sport as other sports yeah it's a great answer don't be afraid to ask for help i think is that something that can resonate with anyone out there uh lillian if people listening want to find out more about the initiatives that you're running uh either yourself in the uh women first women in sport role or athletics ireland where can they find out more 
So they can get me on an email. They can get, which is up on the Athletics Ireland website. And they can also find out more about our programs on the Athletics Ireland website or just follow me on Twitter. And we'll have just, I'll just, I only show small snippets of what we are up to, but uh, any information, I'd only be delighted to help in any way that I can. Brilliant. And we'll, we'll put any of the information that you talked about. We'll try and link that up on the, on the page um, as well. So. Lillian, listen, it's been absolutely fantastic having you on. I got loads out of it. Um, I love the way you talk about the, the paving the way and, and those pathways that you're opening up for women in sport, uh, or, uh, particularly in the athletics field. But I think that's going to translate across to all sports because the more people that are doing it, I think the more uh, people will step forward because people have paved the way. Um, I really, really resonates with me the, the talk, the way you talk about the communities of practice and and that the, the ground rules and the trust that that can generate would be really, really good. A lovely little tidbit from uh, knowing what not to do from different coach education experiences, I think, is really, really good. But uh, the biggest thing for me that stood out throughout, the, throughout um, the chat today, your talk about knowing your athletes and not to forget about the enjoyment and fun. And I think too often we can, we can fall down that rabbit hole. So uh, thank you very much for giving up your time.